this will pass. And uh, the Lord never, ever intended for us to live uh, a life that is fear-directed or fear-motivated. The word says that the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Okay, so there's a certain point where I felt like I needed to go get some toilet paper, uh, but it's only because if I didn't, there wouldn't be any, um, and I don't, you know, of course, my wife thinks ahead, and we already had toilet paper because we normally, whatever, that's too much personal information, but, um, you know, but watching the world kind of unravel is, uh, um, is, is rich and fertile ground for people who are bound by love and, and, and a power and a, a sound mind. It's easy for you to stick out in the crowd now as you walk about life and have reasonableness in you. And I have faith and peace today. And it's not because someone has announced there's a cure. And it's not because the forecast says sunshine. It's because the Lord of this God, who's the author of my life and the finisher of my faith, has uh, shown me once again today, when I got up, the sky did not fall, right? And all of the things that the world is saying right now are, are, that are authored in some place other than heaven will only come to rob and kill and to destroy. So when you listen to the pleadings of a broken world that would say, it's unraveling, it's unraveling, head for the hills, uh, uh, and so forth, but the Lord God is saying something completely different to his people. I'm your God. And I believe the scriptures that we heard today that were in the memory verses, including God created the heavens and the earth, and including, I am the one that will shout at the enemy. A, 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 I'm paraphrasing, obviously. That that same God is the one who will carry you through this. This is going to pass. So from, for us as a practical level, I so appreciate the, the pastoral team and the staff team that we have. And they're putting together details. And we will carry on with church services. And we will continue to do this. Um, as long as it's appropriate and it's wise and it's, and it's submitted to our government and it's faithful and it's, it, it's so forth, we'll keep to continue to do this. But without respect, whether we can gather, but it looks like we can, but without respect to this, we will also be broadcasting. So if for some reason you can't be here because you get the sniffles and, and it says, even if you don't have this terrible dreaded thing that's not so terrible and dreaded maybe after all, um, and you decide to stay home, come to church on your, on your computer. You know, so just stay connected to the church family because this is going to pass. And uh, so, okay, good enough. Anyway, thanks for being in the house of the Lord. Today, um, today's the 15th. You know you're going to get a proverb from me out of chapter 15. I'm, I'm going to slip in a second proverb, which I do once in a while. So I chose verse 28. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Okay, that's a good one. And then every once in a while, I'll give you a um, proverb that's not out of Scripture, but they're kind of fun. I have a list of proverbs that are called African proverbs. Here's one. Every cow has a tail. <laughs> you need to let that one steep like good tea would um, steep because that becomes more meaningful as you let that. When, 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 you, um, when you are concerned and, and your concerns kind of start to rise up, where do you go? You know, where... In God's Word, where in the Bible do you go? Today, um, we're, we're going to start a series that's, that you might have predicted. I wasn't smart enough to predict it. Um, um, it's how to have peace of mind. We're going to be in the topic of how to have peace of mind. And we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, which is this tr rich treasure of a place to go in God's Word. So before we go there, let me kind of give you um, our definition of peace, okay? Our definition for, for this, for peace of mind, is this. The calm assurance that what God is doing is best. 
Okay? That's what peace of mind is. You have this calm assurance that whatever God is doing, it's the best thing. So that no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what the newspapers say, there is a God who is ruling the universe, who is in control of everything, and, and he's working even the bad things that will happen for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes, right? So peace is that assurance that's in my heart. It's this, this is quiet confidence that no matter what storm is raging, peace is the calm assurance that what God is doing is best. That, that God's in control, he can be trusted, his promises are true. That's just awesome. So we're going to start into this text, and um, as we get into this text, um, I'm gonna, we're going to see here that to have peace of mind, we've got to get rid of some contaminants in our lives, okay? And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by contaminants, but um, if, if you want peace, there are some things that you've got to stop thinking about. Stop putting your eyes on, stop putting your focus on. You know, you realize that there are some things... Um, you know, wh wh what you look at affects your soul, okay? So, um, and that comes out right here in, in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and this is Paul talking. He says, uh, therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, then he says this really deeply edifying comment, guidance, you know, really for you and me about how we're supposed to think about our brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, my joy and crown, the crowning thing in my life, my fellowship with you, my partnership, our partnership in the gospel. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm. What's interesting is that this letter is going to the Philippian church. This is, this is, these are, these, this is not some, you know, twisting in the wind, wind, very weak group of people. These are mature believers. But how many of us can think of somebody that you know or somebody at some time in your life that you know who used to follow the Lord? And they're not following the Lord anymore. So Paul says, stand firm. Don't waver. Hold that ground that you've taken spiritually. Don't go back. Go forward. And here's why that's an appropriate uh, comment for us. Uh, because a lot of people start, but not so many finish. You know, A lot of people set out for the Lord, and um, not so many are still honoring Christ at the end of their life. Starting is good. Finishing is better. Stand firm. And then he gets into the first topic, this first area that we're going to call contaminant, that's uh, this pollutant that has to somehow be removed, and that, that's going to be conflict. So the first thing we're supposed to do is to resolve conflict, resolve conflict, um, verse 2. And he says, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. The name Iodia technically means yodeler. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. I mean, these are really weird names. These are two, two ladies in the church. These are pretty, they're up for grabs if you're having a baby and you want to name them. Yodia and Syntyche are available. I think those are perfect names if you have a cat because it's, these are two that can't get along apparently. I don't know, whatever about that. <laughs> but it, it says, I entreat them. Okay. It's a persuasive. This, he's, 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 it means he's exhort. It's like, I'm urging you, I'm imploring you. Some, some passages or some translations say plead or implore. It's got to happen. And then he mentions these two people by name. I'm urging you. He mentions their names, he, and then he calls them out. And it kind of gets our attention because, you know, why? First off, they got weird names, but wh why is he naming them? So, so you're attending church in the Philippian church back then. It's long to a couple thousand years ago. You're in church on Sunday, and some guy says, hey, we got a new letter from Paul. 
what should we do? And of course, they're all going to go, well, read it. Let's have it. And um, so it's this amazing letter from Paul. And it starts out in, in chapter 1. It says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And chapter 2 is, let this mind be in you that was in Christ. And then chapter 3, you know, for, forgetting the things that are behind. And then chapter 4, and Paul busts out with this, you know, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And he uses the word entreat twice. I entreat Iodia. Not I entreat Yodia and Syntyche. I entreat you, Yodia, and I entreat you, Syntyche. They each get equal treatment, okay? They're, they're the same fair treatment. You can see how carefully you have to handle people who are in conflict, right? It's got to be really, really fair. And things between these two ladies have somehow gone frosty. We don't really know what's going on here. But he entreats them to agree in the Lord. You know, come on, ladies, let's get on the same page. You two get in the same room. Don't come out until you get this sorted out. I don't care how you sort it out. Kind of sounds like a Thunderdome kind of a deal. Get in there to go in, but you're going to come out combined, and you're going to come out, you know. Nobody knows those movies. I don't know why I make movie references like that. Um, but anyway, so, but what notice, what I cap, what's captivates me a little bit about this is that Paul doesn't say what the conflict is. I mean, a lot of other places in Paul's letters, he, he actually says what the issue is, he, you know. And I, I think he doesn't mention it here intentionally. Okay, I mean, if it was doctrinal, he'd just instruct them, hey, um, you're wrong, here's what's right. Paul's very direct, he does it in a lot of other places, you'll see him. If it was behavioral, he would just exhort them. He'd just say, you know, this is how a Christian acts, this is how a Christian lives, come on, get your act together. I mean, he does that a lot too. Um, and it, but, but this is important enough to the Holy Spirit that it gets included in the passage, this instruction to reconcile, you know. It, it's not important enough to include the detail, what the problem is, you know, exactly what caused the conflict, but it's, it's, it's important enough that you've got to get this fixed. And, I, you know, Solomon made this comment in Song of Solomon. He said, it's the little foxes that get in and spoil the vine, right? Okay, so, so even though the cause of the conflict, I think it was small, but the need to resolve it is big in the mind of God. So, so sometimes, w you know, why we get upset with each other is not the big, most important stuff. And the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to name these women and then to point out how important it is to God that Christians get on the same page. And the thing is, now, I think this is kind of true of probably all people, but I don't, you know, I, I don't have a lot to say about people who don't know the Lord. That's not my, um, I, I'm, I'm talking to believers when I would say this, um, I think most Christians are not very good at talking to people that they disagree with. <laughs> I mean, we need improvement, I think, on that in general. It's like, uh, I think most Christians would agree, yeah, yeah, we're not that good at it. We don't like it. We don't like being pressured to uh, get along with people that think differently or see things differently than, than us. So Paul says, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Well, you're probably thinking long about now, okay, Terry, that sounds simple. You're just up talking about something a couple thousand years ago, but it's pretty hard to do that. I agree. Paul actually gives us some instructions on how he wants that to happen. So verse 3, yes, I also ask you, true companion, help these women who have lived. Okay, so it's that phrase, true companion, it's an adjective and a noun, true, true or loyal, and then the word companion. Now, it, you may have a marginal note in your, in your scripture because this is where people who study the Bible kind of go on two different courses. Um, but that word companion, um, you know, it, it, it literally means yoke fellow. 
it's, it's somebody who, you know what a yoke is, it's like two oxen and they hook up and if one of them pulls and the other one doesn't, then the, the plow goes in a circle, right? A good, true yoke fellow is someone who yokes well. A good yoke fellow is someone who pulls with the other person, who is able to go the same direction and, and, and work together. That's what, that's what that name, true companion, companion means, yoke fellow. Um, but if you carefully study that word, it's syzygous. <laughs> Here's something weird, okay? Um, it's, it, it points to the possibility, in fact, probability. I believe that that's a proper noun. It's actually somebody's name. Okay, so some translations actually put in the meaning of the name as opposed to putting in the proper name. Are you tracking with me? It's kind of like my name is Fisher, and the literal meaning of that would be, I guess I go catch fish, right? Okay, or the name Taylor, or the name Cooper, or the name Smith. Those are actually names that are descriptive about someone. Somewhere in the past, that was probably their trade or what they did. Okay, so your translation might have the word companion, um, but that, was, that would also be what was being requested here. So it could be either way. I think that, that Paul was talking to a specific person. Hey, Syzygos, you know, you know hey, you know, he's, he's put that in there. He said, he said, why don't you live up to your name? I think that's what's going on here. It works either way, but I believe it was personal. He's saying, hey, Syzygos, live up to your name. You're, you, know, you can see that these two ladies are struggling, and you're kind of watching that. You know, why don't you live up to your name, help these ladies, step in and help them. You, you tracking with me? You following what I'm saying here? So he's saying, true companion, help these women who have labored with me. And that's, you know, that the concept of what's going on here is the, is the whole concept of the whole book of Philemon, where you have, you know, um, I, I, if you're on good terms with two people and they're not on good terms with each other, use your influence, step in there, and somehow help them get that sorted out. It's a godly move. You know, so if you are on good terms with two people and they are not on good terms with each other, you step in the middle. That's like what Paul did with Philemon and Onesimus in the book of Philemon. And Paul's exhorting Syzygos to do the same thing right here. And listen, these two ladies are not rookie Christians, right? Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. How would you like to have that on your spiritual resume? Yeah, 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 Paul and me, we're mates. <laughs> yeah, Paul and me, we used, to, we used to do that kind of, we hung together. Pa Paul, he owes me money. Yeah, I mean, okay, so, so he, he, these ladies know Paul. Paul knows them. They've ministered together. They're not, and, and um, you know, I wish it, 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 it wasn't true but sometimes even the most faithful servants of Christ get sideways. We do. Sometimes people who have served the Lord for a long time, you know, aren't serving well anymore. Sometimes people who have been faithful and loyal and dedicated for years or even decades, they kind of get upside down in the ditch. And um, apparently that was what's true of these two women, and it's kind of sad. Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. Help them get it together. If, if, if you want to have peace of mind, if you want to see resolve conflict, help them. Notice the last part of verse 3 for my, my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Why is that there? You ever wonder about little things in Scripture? You know, wh wh why is that there? 
In fact, one of the things that will help you in your personal private study of scriptures is when you come to something and it doesn't, it doesn't real, really come out with an obvious answer, ask that question. Okay, why is that there, Lord? Okay, I mean, why, why does the Lord want you to resolve conflict and why does he want you to do it with people whose names are in the Lamb's book of life? Here's why that's important. Regardless of anything that you and I see differently, anything that you and I you know, do a little differently, regardless of, of your priority with your family, or regardless of whatever the Lord is speaking to me and teaching me personally, our names are both in the Lamb's Book of Life. Our, our, you know, uh, we're, we're spending eternity together. I hope that's okay with you. <laughs> but we're going to be there. I mean, and, and when we get before Christ... When we get to that place where these little things that separate us now and that we disagree about now, when we get there, they're going to be nothing. Those things are going to be nothing. And God puts that all back into scale for us. You know, well, I'm mad at her. Well, I, 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 you know, I'm not happy with him anymore. Okay. But you need to get that together because your, your names are both in the book of life. You know, so get it together. Get it figured out. You know, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and it matters. God's Spirit put his expectation about this in his word. If you want peace of mind, you've got to remove contaminants. The first one is that has to go with conflict. But Terry, there's some conflict that can't be resolved. Okay, I agree. Okay, here are a couple of categories um, that, um, that here's a couple of those categories. First one would be a moral issue doesn't necessarily mean sexually, it can mean character or integrity issue, but, but y there could be a moral issue and conflict, you know, you can't do away with it. First Corinthians 5 says that um, it, it basically, um, I, I'm writing to you not to associate with any so-called brother who is immoral and even not to eat with such a one. Okay, so there are examples of someone who's, who's um, um, a moral issue and you can't resolve the conflict. Another one would be um, something that requires compromising God's word. Not going to do that for you, sorry. Not going to go there. Another one would be a church discipline issue. This is fairly rare. Um, Titus 3.10 says, have nothing to do with a person who, who causes division after you have warned him once or twice. And, uh, you know, what that means basically is that, you know, hey, um, you've been causing some division between brothers and sisters in our church. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I won't. Okay, all right, but please don't do that again. So you've warned, and then... And then later, sometime later, hey, um, I, I hear you're causing division again between the brothers and sisters in the church, and um, are you still doing that? No. Well, you know, I hear that you are, and that's a problem. Okay, so that's, that's what that scripture is talking about. Sometimes you have to say to people who keep acting like that, you know, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't be here anymore. So that, there are examples where you can't uh, resolve conflict always but, and, and, and gain, peace by m gain the peace of mind that normally would come from that. But... But when the conflict is not over something like that, like these two ladies, it's just something smaller, here are three questions for avoiding uh, relational conflict. Three questions that you can ask yourself for avoiding relational conflict. First question, is this a matter of eternal importance? That conflict with your sister or your, your small grip, whatever, you know, whatever that's, that conflict, is it something that we're going to still need to be talking about when we're in heaven together? You know, is it going to affect somebody's eternity? Is it, is it really a heaven or hell question? Um, if it is, it might be worth the conflict. But if it's not, it may not be worth it. The second question to ask, is this a matter of biblical conviction? You know, 
How many times do Christians get all fired up about something and it's just nonsense? <laughs> okay? I mean, I mean if, you, if, if you don't have a chapter and a verse for what the issue is, um, it's really just your preference. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's just the way you wish things were maybe and you think everybody should think the way that you do. Um, but, um, you know, so you have this conflict about it. But you better make sure you have chapter verse. If you don't have chapter and verse, it's a preference. Okay, third one is, is this matter about which Christians must agree? Do Christians have to agree about everything? Thank you. <laughs> they do not have to. We don't have to agree about everything. And, um, I mean, people have all of their preferences, and that's fine. And, um, you know, whatever it is that we don't, don't have to agree about, it doesn't really rise to that much because our names are written in the book of life. So trying to force everybody to, you know, land within your own little viewpoint um, of total agreement. You're, it, when you do that, you are giving up your peace of mind over things that just aren't worth it. So, okay, to have peace of mind, we're working on these contaminants. We're going to get rid of the wrong things we're thinking. The first one is resolve conflict. The second one is a topic of rejoice, rejoicing, rejoicing. You see that pretty quickly in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Paul must have thought that they wouldn't get it with just one shot. <laughs> so he says it to them twice. Re rejoicing is the verbal form of joy. Okay? It's the action, actioning of joy. It's the act of delighting in joy. And uh, joy is supernatural in its origin. Did you know that? Joy is supernatural. Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Uh, so it goes on. But it's the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who generates joy. You and I can generate something that we can keep inflated as long as we huff and we puff, but for the sustaining joy, that is supernaturally driven. Its origin is supernatural. And your part in that is the action part, in the delighting. It's a choice that you make. I, I love the Lord. I, I, I love his ways. I love the things that he's doing. Joy is delight in the person of God and the purposes of God. And people who help you rejoice, they're, they're the best. I mean, people who help you rejoice. So, so there's levels of, 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 of encouragement that people will give you. Uh, you know, if we were going to separate it, I'd uh, just generally say the entry level of encouragement would people say, hey, how are you doing? You know, um, and we're praying for you, and that's good. That's good. Do those things. That's, that's an entry-level encouragement. A next level of encouragement is, you know, we love you. We're, we're so glad to, to, to have you in our lives, and, and we appreciate you. And that's a kind of a but, – but level three encouragement, the top level of encouragement is the person who comes and says, looks you in the eye, and they say, hey, God's in this. I see God's fingerprints all over this. You know, it might be stormy tonight, but joy comes in the morning. Good fruit comes after trials. God's going to show up tomorrow. And this, that's the top level. And, and people who, who, who encourage at that level are such a blessing in my life and probably in your life too. And let me just mention that um, you really can't have joy in the people of God if, if you don't first have joy in the purposes of God. And uh, in the in the person of God, so you know when you're fired fired up about the Lord, when you're fired up about what He's doing, what flows from that naturally is this capacity to be thankful. It just comes naturally. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. A big part of peace of mind is the ability to to to, to rejoice, to delight in what God's doing, even when they're telling you they got to close the schools. You can rejoice. Not that they're closing. Hey, listen, if I was a high school junior and they said, hey, you got off to the middle of April, <laughs> I'd be rejoicing. 
if my parents might not have been, uh, mom's probably watching online, and she was thinking, I would not want you home for two months, Terry. It would not be good. Um, anyway, get me, do something to keep me busy. So, okay, so those are two of our contaminants that we need to do away with. We resolve conflict, and we got to make sure we have joy and rejoicing. And the last one that we're going to get to today, um, um, uh, we're going to be on this topic again next time, um, is n- number three is to reject unreasonableness. Reject it. So remove conflict, rejoice, and always reject unreasonableness. Verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, reasonableness there, depending on your translation, some translations say gentleness, be considerate, be gentle and kind. The idea idea here is to, 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 to to not be not unnecessarily rigorous. You get the picture on that, you know, like, like you get shortchanged four cents. Hey, you shortchanged me four cents, right? Well, first off, I will give you the correct change, but secondly, you're more than four cents upset. That's unnecessarily rigorous. Okay, you get the picture there, um, and and Paul says, let your gentleness, let your let your reasonableness, be known to all men. He's talking about not being unnecessarily rigorous. You know, he's, he's talking about where you don't have to press your legal right. And um, reasonableness, this, this gentleness is, is, is just not that. It's, it's, I don't have to always demand it my way. I don't have to always set the record straight. I don't have to always go around looking for wrongs to right. Um, a reasonable person is someone who can be reasoned with, right? They can change their opinion based on things like better information, they can change their mind, their mind based on their, their view matures. They can change their mind based on the revelation that they were wrong. And a reasonable person can sometimes hold their ground in a loving way because it's right. In a loving way. Speaking the truth in love. Not just blurting it out because it's true, but in love. Now, so I want to give you, I'm going to ask you to help me out here. We're going to have just stop the message for a minute and um, have a brief counseling session. I need you to counsel me um, on some examples of what, you you can tell me if this is something about which I should just let it go, okay? The idea is just to let it go, okay? So I'll just give you some some theoretical examples. These have nothing to do with any any similarities to any person. It's coincidental and is not true, all right? Okay, so um, in these examples I'm giving. So um, if... The lady at Macy's insists that I pay for my pots in the pot department. Wait a minute. That that came out (laughs) wrong. In the housewares department. And won't let me take the pots and pans and pay for them in the clothing department. So I only have to check out once. And she insists that I book it through her department so that her department gets credit for it. And I'm kind of irritated that I can't check out all at once. And I'm a little frustrated. What should I do? Oh, that's weak. That's really weak. <laughs> Let it go. Everybody practice that. Let it go. Okay, we're going to do that. One, two, three. Let it go. Doesn't that feel good? That just felt good. Let it go. Okay, okay. All right, let it go. I'll go check out twice. Okay, let's, here's another one. I'm at the mall at Christmas time, and I know Lisa's going to be along in about 10 minutes, and I get out of my car, and I walk all the way. It's about three miles from the last parking spot to the door, which is where I park. I park. Anyway, so I'm going up there, and, and right at the front, there's a parking spot empty. 
So I notice that as I'm standing in that parking spot to save it, that people are rolling down their windows and screaming and honking their horns, and others are starting to say now, run him down, and stuff like that, because now there's a line of cars, and I'm thinking, no, I'm saving this for my wife. Um, what should I do? <laughs> she says save it. Everybody else says let it go. Okay. All right. So, sorry, honey. You're going to have to walk from out in the other end um, of the deal. How about this one? It turns out that um, at Christmas time, um, all of my kids can't work it out to come to, um, to, come to Christmas on the day um, and to open presents on the day that is convenient and most um, preferred by my wife and me. And I'm a little frustrated that they can't get that sorted out. What should I do? <laughs> Cut them out of the will, did you say? <laughs> Let it go is the correct answer. So I have noticed that you guys are really pretty good at telling me what to do. So what I'm suggesting is, as we wrap up here, it's, it's interesting to look back over just the last 10 days and ask yourself a question. What are the things of which I may have forfeited my peace? What are the things that maybe you gave away your peace over? Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Why? Why do I need to let my reasonableness be known to everybody? It's right there in your Bible. Verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is coming back. Get things into perspective. The king is coming. Settle, let that settle down into your soul. What's the topic? What's the issue over which you are handing away your peace today? I want to pray about that with you right now. Okay, so one, resolve conflict. Two, rejoice. Three, let your reasonableness, <laughs> that's hard to say, be known to everyone because the Lord is at hand. Next time, um, next week when we get together, we're going to be um, into the passage that Amazon says is the most underlined by Kindle readers in the entire Bible. We're going to be in that scripture next week, so let's pray. Lord, um, as we would talk to you, the King of Peace, the King of Peace, about the things that we have given away our peace just in the last week, help us, Lord, to put our trust in you, not in circumstances not in cures, not in promises, not in weather forecasts, not in stock market predictions or results, not to put our peace in those things, but instead to put it in the one who has authority over life and eternity. God, you are faithful. You have always shown yourself faithful. You, you are the one who birthed us into this world. You are the one that breathes the breath of life into us in every passing moment. Let us, Lord, remember those things, to remember the good things the King has done and your faithfulness. How much more do you love us than the lilies of the field and the birds and, the, and, and all of the world, Lord? How much more do you love us? Why would you lead us out this far? We know it's just not true that you would lead us out this far to abandon us. So take those things that, you have, that, that, that we're birthing and maybe emerging in our souls, those, those, those things for which we had vision for our lives, for our tomorrows. Take those things that were seemingly evident just a week or two ago and bring them back to the surface. Let spring happen once again in our hearts. Pray these things, Lord, in your precious name.